Hey everybody, it's your buddy Jack. Hope um, this podcast finds you doing well. Doing pretty good myself. You know, there's always struggles going on, stressors going on, right? I don't know anybody that wouldn't have at least one thing going on in their life, right? That's um, pretty tough. You know, if you've got issues, you got stressors, you got things that you're dealing with in life today, know that you're in my prayers, right? You're in my prayers. I know that every day can bring a different stressor, a different struggle, um, whether it's coworkers, friends, and of course, family, right? Um, know that you're in my thoughts. I know um, that family matters, right? And I think some of our younger generation today forget that. Family matters. Um, and if you're not careful, you'll run out of time, right? If you're not careful, you will run out of time. I have a lot of people that are um, either um, current or um, previous patients or clients of mine. You guys know that I work in addiction treatment. And um, all too often, I see where families have just simply run out of time. Right? I know that you might have addicts in the family. There's always the potential of an accidental overdose. Tomorrow's promise to no one. I know that you have people in your families that are struggling with mental health issues. Depression is real. Right? Depression is real. And people with full-blown clinical depression can make permanent decisions regarding temporary situations. That's how you have suicides. Right? And so, again... Family matters. Tomorrow is not promised. Um, So hopefully um, you're doing well today. Prayerfully, you're doing well today. Um, That is my my prayer for you. Uh, Absolutely my prayer for you. Right? And, you know, as I said, my wife and I, we got our things too. Right? We have some disconnected... um, um, kids, family, and um, my wife's dealing with, with some symptoms of MS. She was just diagnosed, you know, less than a year ago. And so some of the symptoms regarding MS are very new to us. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough. It is tough. Um, when you're talking about family issues, family matters, it's not always alcoholism or drug addiction. Um, and it may not always be um, severe mental health issues because I feel like if there's stress in the family, people can feel saddened by it, stressed by it, maybe even feel some degree of depression by it, right? Um, but does it, you know, meet the clinical um, um, requirements of being diagnosable mental health issues? Not always, but that doesn't make them hurt any less, right? It doesn't make them hurt any less. So I know it's tough. So let's talk about some family matters, right? In this podcast, I'm hoping to provide some information about growing up in families in which family members have developed a dysfunctional or unhealthy ways of interacting with each other. And that could be a whole slew of things, not necessarily mental health or or drug addictions specifically, Right. But we'll talk about how members or families 
uh, can develop dysfunctional or unhealthy ways of interacting with each other. Right. This podcast will focus on issues that occur when people grow up and live in families in which there is a very serious problem, maybe such as addiction, mental health issues or, or, or abuse. Um, that could be sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, any of those kinds of things. Right. So any of those issues in which family members have developed unhealthy ways to deal with problems. This podcast will examine the kinds of things that people uh, in such families learn to believe and the types of roles they often take on within that family. Mm. Hopefully this podcast will also consider how these beliefs and roles continue to affect individuals as they become adults. Right? You take on, you develop this unspoken position in your family. And it is where a lot of the way you think, feel, and see things in life, it, that's where it's molded. Right? The things you experience early in life from childhood up, um, they begin to mold you early in life. We'll also review ways to overcome hurt anger, uh, and fear, right? To engage in forgiveness and reconciliation. That's the ultimate goal is taking some of these stressful family matters or issues and find a way to get through those things so we can encourage forgiveness and reconciliation. That's our goal. Uh, This podcast I think I'm going to try to get to three different areas. Hopefully I don't run out of time or maybe a to be continued maybe. But I'm looking at um, a couple of parts here. Dysfunctional families, dysfunctional family roles, and overcoming family dysfunction. Right? Again, you have no control how people receive your personality or your characteristics as a mom, dad, aunt, uncle, sister, brother, right? However they receive you um, and see how you operate within the family, you can't control that. But inside of that, um, by the time you're 8, 9, 10, 12 or so, you're starting to develop your own position or lane in the family, if you will. And that's kind of where maybe codependency um, can develop, right? Oppositional defiant disorder um, that can begin to develop. Uh, And of course, a lot of mental health issues can begin then, uh, and addictions issues as well, right? Again, there's a whole slew of things, Um, but again, you know, I like to talk about recovery and family, so I, I try to talk about the whole, the whole thing, the, the families and their issues, holistically, right? That's kind of how um, I like to be in this podcast. So, you know, as we go, we consider what it is, or or what it was like growing up in your family. Think about that, and review whether your family's behavior was healthy 
or dysfunctional, right? Look closely at your own beliefs and actions and see if they fit a pattern common to the family. If you come from a family with dysfunctional roles, this may not be easy because it would probably seem more normal the things that you experienced in life, regardless of how unhealthy they may have been at the time. So discovering that some things weren't right, weren't normal, um, will sort of be going against the grain for you. And I've seen that in a lot of cases. But it may also bring up some painful memories. By examining your past, you will be in a better position to understand your issues, whether it's mental health or addiction, and take steps to ensure that your past does not come back to endanger your mental health or sobriety or your spiritual growth or on and on, right? On and on. You don't want things of the past to come back and and hurt you and your family. You've heard me say, um, if you've been listening for a while, I've said, if you don't allow for your past to die, it won't let you live. Keep that in mind. Let the baggage go. I mentioned codependency, so let's take a quick look at that, right? It's kind of one of them subtle character defects that you're not going to find on the mental health spectrum, right? Nobody gets simply just diagnosed with codependency. Um, but it can be, it can bring on a whole lot of other issues. But let's talk about it. Treatment and recovery are built on a foundation of interdependence, right? Interdependence. When you're looking at mental health treatment model or um, addictions treatment models, they are built on the foundation of interdependence, a state in which people are dependent on one another in order to work together for a common goal, right? That's healthy, where people come together in their own identities, but come together and work together towards a common goal, right? Of mental health sobriety or recovery or addictions sobriety or recovery. Ideally, interdependence among people includes open communication, shared decisions, joint actions, right? You work as a team, um, but should it also include trust and concern for each other? That is key when you're looking at healthy interdependence and interacting with people. These are the characteristics, or at least the goals, I'm guessing, or feel like, in my opinion, of healthy families. Now, for addicted people, I'm going to go there for just a minute. It's hard to talk about these issues without mentioning addiction or mental health issues, right? Sometimes they do make their way in. And so it's hard to talk about this stuff and not at least mention it. So for addicted people, their drug of choice becomes more important than nearly anything else, including important people in their lives. Relationships suffer, which we've talked about time and time again in this podcast. Talking about and sharing personal information can be difficult because addicted people fear fear letting others know who they really are. And it is hard. 
it is hard. But if that's you, I promise you, most of your friends and family probably already know. Right? They probably already know. You probably also have heard me say that um, one of the scariest things about um, addiction is that it has to be self-diagnosed. Right? You have to finally come to a place where you discover that you have a problem. Because as long as everybody else is telling you that you have a problem, right, you're going to go against the grain. And that's just the natural behavior of addicts. You don't want that to be true. You don't want it to be true. So you fight it. And so you're the last person to finally go, okay, I have an issue, right? And the problem with it having to be self-diagnosed is the fact that we are usually the last ones to know or see it or acknowledge it. That's a dangerous place to be, right? Dangerous place to be. So be cautious. Talking about and sharing personal information can be difficult because addicted people fear letting others know who they really are. In many families, parents and children don't share their real feelings. Poor communication can promote a fear of intimacy, which is true in a lot of cases, even if there's no drugs and alcohol involved, even if there aren't any um, severe mental health issues discovered or diagnosed. Any family has the potential to have that happen in the family, right? Parents and children don't share their real feelings because of poor communication. And if you don't feel comfortable having intimate conversations with your mom and dad, your brother, sister, right, about how you're thinking and feeling, it's hard to do. I still don't think we're 100% away from the idea uh, that men don't cry. Men don't share their emotions or show emotions, right? I know, and it's become better maybe over the last decade or so. Um, but I don't think we're there. I don't think we're there yet. Matter of fact, my oldest daughter, her boyfriend, um, still struggles and has issue with being able or being willing to show emotion. Um, and so it makes it tough. It makes it tough. So indeed, Many people have a fear of intimacy because they are afraid of what would happen if they did share their real feelings. For example, someone might think she wouldn't love me if she knew how scared I am. It's not true, guys. It's not true. May I suggest to you guys, men listening, that... You keep your significant other people, girlfriends, wives, confused if you don't share your emotions or feelings, right? Because that's one area that is important to a woman, I think, or feel like is. And if that's the one wall you want to put up and they're never quite clear where it is that you stand. And on top of that, you're also suggesting that you don't trust them enough to share your thoughts, feelings, and emotions it's going to begin to create a wedge in your relationship. If you trust her and you know that you trust her, then don't be afraid 
to let her in. That goes with you two gals, your partners, whoever they are, share. You got to be open about those things. It just works out better, right? So let me ask you this. A couple of questions for you and yourself. And, you know, what do you think intimacy is? Or why do you think intimacy is an important part of recovery in any aspect? Again, not just not just addiction, not just mental health um, recovery, but in any aspect. Why would you believe that intimacy is an important part of recovery in a family unit? And another one, why is interdependence an important part of recovery, right? What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on that, right? So in general, how would you describe your family's approach to sharing real feelings? Only you know your family currently. What kind of style do you think that you developed in relation to sharing feelings? How will that help or hurt your recovery? Right? Can you be assertive and share openly? Uh, Or do you hold back? Do you not want to share? It's not talking about um, issues, right? can, again, create some stress in your life, right? And I'm not talking about that loud, obnoxious sort of, I speak the truth, right? Be cordial, be kind, right? Don't do that ugly, hateful, I'm just being honest, right? I'm not talking about that. It's hard, and that's why some people, if you're that type of person that always wants to do it because you just speak the truth, there's reasons why people don't talk to you, right? There's reasons why people will not talk to you. And again, this is nothing new. All families have problems, but some families have serious problems that cause tremendous stress in all family members. For example, some families have a family member who has a substance abuse or mental health problem, right? We've talked about that. Some families have family members um, who uh, engages in physical or emotional or sexual abuse. Such problems have a strong and negative effect on everyone, Right? On everyone and sometimes there are stressors that will manifest and you'll see later and they'll show up in your kids relationships right for people living in a family with serious problems family relationships can be difficult and unhealthy family relationships and roles in unhealthy families can be called dysfunctional right so let's talk about that The word dysfunctional means that the relationships among family members and the roles that family members take on are unhealthy and they help the family to function and behave in a way that is also unhealthy, right? It's unhealthy all the way around. So let me run through that again. 
The word dysfunction means that the relationship among family members and the roles that family members take on are unhealthy and they help the family to function and behave in a way that is not healthy, right? But there are a lot of things that come into play with that. Um, there's no telling. Again, it's not just addiction issues or strictly mental health issues. Some would argue that if it's dysfunction, somebody's got some mental health issues along the way. And maybe there's some truth to that, right? But if it doesn't mean, if it doesn't meet the criteria to be significant enough for any sort of diagnosis, right? Um, then we're, we're talking also outside the idea of mental health issues strictly. Um, so be open-minded. People can have character defects and not necessarily have a mental health issue or an addictions issue, right? Character defects can run gamut through any family regardless of existing mental health or addiction issues or not, right? So ask, let me ask, which of these better describes communication in your family? And be honest with yourself, right? It's not like I can see through my microphone and see everybody's uh, answers, right? So in your family, is there open communication? Is that normal? Or was silence normal? Mm. How about these? Which of these better describes um, decision-making in your family? Was it a family members shared feelings and decisions? Right? Were y'all a cohesive team? Or family members act in isolation? Hmm. So let's talk about that, family as a healthy system. Family as a healthy system. I know that's tough too. It's like, are there really families out there that are 100% healthy? No. No. Not that I've come across in my, oh man, almost 20 year, uh, 20 year experience. 25 years of experience in mental health and addiction treatment. Mm. There's always something, right? Now, can it be the case that in some families it's on occasion? It's not consistent everyday drama? Sure. That could be the case, right? But is there a family system that's 100% okay all the time? No. Families can be thought of as a system family members are linked together um, and rules that in healthy balanced family systems promote safety and growth of family members that's the goal in healthy family systems communication is open and rules are flexible rules are flexible oh my gosh rules need to be flexible right so communication is open rules are flexible and enforced fairly and consistently. Children develop healthy values, healthy ways to communicate, and healthy roles if the family functions like that, or as close to it as possible, right? Children feel cared for and cared about. Children are 
uh, encouraged to express their desire and needs since they are made to feel worthy, right? And doing all of that sharing, it does create that atmosphere to help them make them feel worthy. They keep, they can develop a healthy sense of self. That's the goal. Dysfunctional system. Okay. Let's take a look at that for a second. In an unhealthy, imbalanced family system, communication is closed and rules are rigid, usually unrealistic, and enforced inconsistently and unfairly. Mm. Mm. I've talked about how I felt, I feel like maybe my um, father in law. And his raising of uh, my wife, this is one of her stepdads. Um, I think he tended to, his parenting style right, was, was um, delivered more in a frame, or his approach was more in the frame of um, respect and disrespect, more so than um, correction and guidance, right? He was more worried about being disrespected, Um then he cared whether or not his discipline was creating some guidance, right? Um, and that's not a good frame in which to discipline your kids in. Because then you tend to be a little bit of a bully, right? You tend to be a little bit of a bully. So here it is. Children can have a hard time emotionally bonding with that parent, which seems to be the case. It's showing up now that my wife and her brother are adults. Children may feel shamed and abandoned. They may learn unhealthy and compulsive behaviors to deal with the emotional pain and stress of the situation, which my brother-in-law and my wife would probably tell you that over the course of their young lives, they did develop some unhealthy coping skills and some compulsive behaviors. I full-on believe that that's what they would tell you. Um, someone in that situation may develop a low self-esteem and a vulnerability to addiction and other problem behaviors, right? Some people just for, you know, if they got daddy issues, become promiscuous. It's not always about drugs again, right? Not always about mental health issues. Um, there's promiscuity. There's um, the eating disorders, right? Binging and purging. They're bulimic or whatever their diagnosis might be. Um, sometimes that can be the end result of some of the things that's gone on in their family system. So here's a question. What kind of rules did your family have about openness and communication? Right? Could you share your feelings with your parents and other family members? Could you get into trouble for doing so? That's another thing. I've watched that happen in family members too. Um, it's not very good. Terrible way to raise a kid when they're trying to share something with you that's hurting them, bothering them, or they're concerned about, um, and your opinion of the situation is distorted in some way that uh, causes you to feel the need to discipline. Um, that's a come kid stop going to their parents, right? If they come to you with issues and it backfires 90% of the time, they will stop coming to you. Mm. 
In a healthy family, family members can grow, mature, and experiment with social interactions. Other family members are flexible and let each other make some mistakes. That's healthy. Right? As your kids get older, allow them to make some of the small mistakes. They learn from them. In a family with a dysfunctional style, there may be a little flexibility or emotional growth. Right? If it's dysfunctional, it's true. There may be very little flexibility or emotional growth. Children in these families can come become emotionally stunted. And adults, um, as an adult, right, that happens. We see it. We see it all the time. Kids in this family can, uh, dysfunctional family, can become emotionally stunted as adults because they learn to believe that life is extremely serious and people are very rigid. This damage can be repaired, though, uh, um, through healthy relationships in which there is an ability to compromise. Children of dysfunctional families can learn to relate more easily and naturally with other people. It would just take longer and it takes practice. Right? When, if they would have developed some of these interactive ways, uh, right? If they would have developed some of these interactive skills um, as kids, teenagers, it would have been easier as an adult. Ask yourself this question. How does your family react when something unpredictable happens? How does it make you feel? Right? Another one. Has anyone told you that you overreact to things um, over which you have no control? Is that you? And think about the root of that, either one of those questions, especially the first one. How does your family react when something unpredictable happens? I've seen people become angry and distraught. And even, even if it was something they were didn't have any control over. It's like, it's not going to change how much you get angry. Right? So think about this one. What kind of unspoken rules does your family have or did have? Mm. So a little more about dysfunctional family rule number two. Being silent. Dysfunctional families typically have a major problem. The major problem may be addiction, maybe mental health issues, sexual abuse, domestic violence, right? There's another one that's not necessarily related to addiction or mental health issues. Could be, but not always. Um, sometimes domestic violence just exists. The problem affects all family members. However, dysfunctional families go to the great go to great lengths to avoid talking about it. They go to great lengths to avoid talking about the major problem, the elephant in the room. If the parent is addicted, mentally ill, violent, or abusive, the parent's behavior is likely to be erratic. Thus, Children and other family members take great pains to avoid upsetting the parent. Hence this rule, don't talk about the problem. Mm, that's a very unsafe rule to have. 
unsafe rule to have. When you send your, let's go with a little bit older child. We know they're cognizant of what's right and wrong somewhat. They know that domestic violence is not right. They know how it makes them feel when it happens, when it occurs in their home. But you send that same kid to school and he knows that you expect him to keep his mouth shut. That kind of stress for a child is not fair. Not fair. The rule of silence includes not speaking with other family members about feelings, emotions, or behaviors. Family members learn that talking about certain things upsets the family balance. Since they can't since they can't talk about what they see and feel, family members are forced to endure their fears, their anxieties, and anger in silence. They are forced to express these feelings, right? Or they are forced to repress these feelings, although they may blow up from time to time. It's hard to contain all that. You wonder why you got 10, 11, 12 year olds that are just angry and they seem angry at the world. Well, let's find out if they got something pent up. Let's find out if they've got, why just assume that they are just defiant little children. Let's see if there's something going on at home. Right? Are there times, can you remember if there were times when your family seems upset, but no one said a word? Uh, what, is, what is, you know, the likelihood of that? Right? Dysfunctional family rule number three. Being in denial. <laughs> in the average healthy family problems that come up are discussed solutions are reviewed and attempted in a dysfunctional family major problems may be ignored no one will admit that there is a problem thus no one will discuss the problem or come up with a solution sadly the more severe the problem the more likely the family will be dysfunctional and deny that the problem exists is serious and affects the family in negative ways. That approach is serious. Children grow up in dysfunctional families and are faced with a serious problem. Even when something really bad happens, maybe it's related to someone's intoxication level or just some simple violence, these children are told that nothing is wrong. They are taught to ignore what they see, hear, and feel. And they got to go to school with that, eh? Mm, it's unfair. For instance, children may see their parent get drunk and act violently with another family member and then be told that everything is all right. Go back to bed. As a result, children grow up in a dysfunction in dysfunctional families Right, Those children that grow up in dysfunctional families have a difficult time understanding what is real and what is not, and what is bad and what is not. 
That's what we're teaching them. If you were raised in this type of family, you may have a hard time expressing painful emotions because you were taught to ignore them and to believe that they were not real. Through active participation in the healthy group process, right? Such as group therapy, self-help groups, they're all over the place. You can learn to identify and express painful emotions to others. Get into a men's group, get into a women's group. Whether If you don't have an addictions issue, it don't have to be AA or NA. I know for a fact, a handful of churches in my own community have men's and women's meetings, groups, self-help groups. Usually they come in the form of a Bible study, but not always. Some of them are a faith-based approach on family issues, right? Try something. Try something. Don't let this continue, right? And if you're already an adult and those kinds of things still fester in your mind and cause you to act out in unhealthy ways, again, whether it's drinking and drugging or not, but those things manifest ways now in how you approach your spouse or significant other. Those things of the past manifest certain behaviors now and how you act out in your own household. You got to do something, right? So here's one more dysfunctional role number four, feeling isolation. Dysfunctional families typically have a rigid set of rules that keep family members from discussing important behavior and emotional problems with each other. Because of this, each family member can feel emotionally isolated. This rigid rule also prevents family members from effectively communicating with people outside the family. You become that one spouse that doesn't like to talk about your feelings. You become that one significant other person, someone's partner, that you only hold back from and not willing to talk. When it, this is the person you need to be leaning on, talking to, right? The dysfunctional family tries to avoid revealing its problems to others as well. And so it keeps a distance between itself and the rest of the community. Mm. Dysfunctional families may appear self-sufficient and independent. They try hard to look normal to the outside world, but dysfunctional families are really afraid that outsiders, even if you marry into the family, you're still an outsider or considered to be an outsider Right? So because of these dysfunctional families um, are really afraid that outsiders could identify the family's problems and the ways that it is dysfunctional. Family members believe that if outsiders knew what was going on, the family would be exposed to ridicule or people might even try to break up the family. Since the family isolates itself from others in the community, family members do not learn to trust. Family members do not learn to trust 
right? You wonder why the guy or girl you've been married to for the last couple of years just doesn't still quite trust you? It's probably got a long history to it, right? Still didn't learn how to trust or to be open with others. Luckily, if trust is not learned during childhood, it can be learned as an adult. It just takes some time. It can be learned as an adult, being trusting or being trustworthy as well. You can learn to trust by sharing feelings with others and finding support for sharing those feelings. And question, did your family ever act like it was us against the world? That's an unhealthy way of seeing things, right? It's an unhealthy way of seeing things. That is for sure. And it looks like um, I am going to have to do a part two. Because <laughs> I know it's hard to listen to these things for more than 35, 40, 45 minutes at a time. And I want to be um, cognizant of your time. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you've been listening for a while, thank you so very much. Again, I do appreciate you. But I want to be a respecter of your time. So for now, I'm going to wrap this up and my next one will be a continuation. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new, welcome to the family, right? Let's talk about some recovery family things and hopefully things that I share with you will help you along the way. Or maybe you think of someone to share it with and can help them um, along the way. So until next time, be blessed, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye for now.